Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. My name is Terry Krebs, and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring, where I'll be discussing information you can use in day-to-day leadership situations. I'll provide you information in a way that you'll be able to listen to it, use it, and apply it so you can move on to your next leadership success. All leadership examples and solutions are based upon actual events and situations that I've encountered in my 30 years of leading and mentoring. You can find me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. First of all, I want to say thanks for all of the positive feedback that I received about the podcast. It really makes me feel good that people are able to take the information that I'm providing and able to use it immediately in their work environments. So one of the topics that I've been asked in about 20 different emails was, what do you do when you have a person that you've already set your goals, your SMART goals, which we talked about before, S-M-A-R-T, Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely goals. When you set those with someone, then they still struggle to get there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before I get going, let's talk about professional sports just for a minute. Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, golf, hockey, professional athletes at the top of their game, they have been playing those sports and joining those positions for years and years and years, most of the time since they were four or five or six years old. And sometimes there's even photographs of people when they were about one or two early on developing skills. Those athletes throughout their career always give credit to the great coaches along the way that help them to develop their skills at the different levels of their progression through learning that sport. And one of the largest accolades that those professional athletes could get from a coach is when that coach would say that that athlete I work with, that never was that they're the best player, but they were coachable. That they were a pleasure to be around because they had the ability to take coaching. And coaching is just leading with a different name. So if you want to be an effective leader, you have to learn how to be an effective coach. Now, I've heard people say, well, Terry, it's not my job to handhold people at work. Or a term that I, that I really don't like. I'm not here to coddle people or to be their parent. And I'm like, it's true. You're not there to be the parent. You're there to lead them. You're there to mentor them. You're there to coach them. So if you look for an excuse to not do those things, then maybe you need to look for a different line of work because really, when someone is put under your chain, under your umbrella of responsibility, it's your job to help them develop and turn them into a future leader for your organization. Coaching is one of the ways that you can do those. So how do you coach people? Well, there's a couple different ways of doing it. There is one way 
that a lot of people fall back on, and that's the directive model, where they're telling people what to do every step along the way. There's a time and a place for that, but generally, that creates a person who is dependent on you for everything, and those people tend to stop thinking through the solution part of a problem. They'll come to you with a problem, but they'll say, well, how would you fix it? And they're like, I don't know. That's why I'm here. And then it's just like, oh, man, like I'm having to solve every problem for this person. Or you can go along with the model that we're going to talk about today. And that is person-centered development, which is really what I call coaching. I learned about this process years ago by reading a book by a person named Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers was a doctor who believed that people generally had the answers to all of their own problem, depending on their different development stages or the development levels. But generally, if they were given the opportunity to sit down with someone who had the ability to be an effective facilitator and who could ask them the right questions and could help walk them down the path that these people or the people that you're working with or the persons that he was working with would be able to develop answers to their own problems and as a residual effect of this would learn a process that they could recreate in their on their own in the future, not only with themselves, but with other people that they worked with. So Carl Rogers came up with this theory years and years and years ago, and it was contrary to a lot of the the psychological theories that were floating around at the time, because the old theories were based on, um, you know, tell me about your background and how you grew up, and let me give you some things to use. And Carl Rogers was into asking questions about, what have you been doing? How's it working? What would you do differently? How could you change it the next time? And if I could snap my fingers and everything was perfect, what would that look like? So, you know, he incorporated some things from a lot of different folks into that theory, but generally tying it all together was what Carl Rogers did. To me, this always seemed like a good way to go about helping people solve problems. So when they came across the problem, they can either come to you and you can tell them how to fix it, or they can come to you and ask them, how would you fix it? What do you think we should do? How do you think that should work out? So what this does is that it helps, again, it helps the person develop a process on their own. It gives them ownership of the results so that they're self-accountable. It makes them more committed to getting the job done. Over time, it will allow them to improve performance. And as you, as the leader, it removes the requirement for you to be the expert in everything which is really impossible. As a leader, you're never going to have every answer to every problem. But hopefully, you'll be able to sit down with someone who has been exposed to this problem. You can talk to them about that, and together, you can learn or develop about what you can do to solve these problems, and you might learn something along the way. The final thing, or just one of, one of the final things that'll do for you as a leader is it doesn't require you to be available 24 hours a day when someone is struggling with something. So how do you do this? So let's set the scenario. So when you want to get this done, this is a conversation that you have with you and the person that's struggling. You as the coach, you as the leader, and the person who is struggling with the situation. This is sometimes called engaged 
leadership. You as the leader are responsible for getting things done. Now, that doesn't mean that you are going to be doing everything, but you have to develop an environment where people feel confident that they can get things done. It's basic leadership. You also have to have team members that are open to being coached and that they understand that this process is something that they're going to own when they're all done with it. Other areas that this works in is if you have people that you work with or work around, not only does it help them solve issues at work, but it'll help them solve personal issues as well. It will take care of a lot of those things. When you provide people these skills and you walk them through this process and they recognize that it works, they will tend to apply it in all aspects of things that they do. A couple steps that you have to do to prepare yourself is make sure that the person that you're going to sit down and talk with, that they know that they need this. Now, most high-performing people will come looking for this. Most people who lack confidence will want it, but not know that they need it. Then you'll have a very small percentage of people who are just oblivious to the fact that they're not getting anything done and that they, they can't figure out what the problem is. Those are the people that we're going to have to talk about that in a separate podcast. It's going to take a little more effort. But generally, this process will apply to about 95% of the people that you work with. And generally, those people are willing to receive this. Now, a phrase that we've used in the past is like, is it a skill problem or a will problem? Skill problems you can resolve by mentoring and coaching and leading. Will problems, that might be a discipline issue, which is also another thing you have to do as a leader, but we'll discuss that later. As you know, big in mnemonics. So since we're talking about how you help people achieve goals, we're just going to use that word, the word goal, G-O-A-L. First one, the G, goal. Okay, That's what you want to get done. You're also going to work through people helping them with options. Then we're going to get to actions, and then we're going to get to feedback. Now, the goal and options, that's a circular discussion, right, that you're going to have in a room with the person. What are we trying to achieve, and what are the ways that we can get it done? Right, You're going to develop the other two together, the actions and the feedback process, but really the goals and the options, that's going to be a conversation that you're going to have, and that's that's really the basis for this. So, when you're helping someone set goals, okay, step one, the primary technique that you're going to use is that you are going to ask a lot of questions as the leader. Okay, and remember, when you're setting goals, they need to use the mnemonic SMART. Previous podcast about that. Go back and listen to that one if you haven't listened to it already. But goals need to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based, SMART goals. When you're trying to break a goal down, remember that when you, when you work on the goals, they need to be broken down into very basic things that you're trying to get done. What are the things that you're trying to do? And when the earlier podcasts that I talked about setting goals, remember short-term goals work best generally. If you follow the mnemonic, again, the SMART, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. When you do that with someone and they get a grip on that, they will start to come to this meeting with those already laid out or you've already discussed those. Okay, so step one, again, listen to the previous podcast about setting goals and you'll understand that. Step two, the options. 
this really is the key to this. When you're sitting down with someone, you're going to, you're coming to a fork in the road in the process here with options. You're either going to tell them what they are or you're going to develop them with them. The telling them is where people become dependent on you for solving problems and the other fork in the road about, about helping them develop these options. That's when people become developed leaders, right? Or future leaders for your organization and self problem solving machines where they will start to learn to develop their own options. But again, back to the professional athlete, everyone gets to a point where they need some help developing these options. So don't think like, hey, this is just one time and I'm done with you. This is a reoccurring process. But what it's going to do is they're going to start to develop their own options on processes that you never see anymore because all you're starting to see is results at different levels. A newer employee is not going to produce the same as someone who's been around five years. And someone who's been around five years is not going to produce the same as someone who's been around at 10 years. Just like in professional athletes, a rookie is not going to perform like the veteran. They may be younger, they may be faster, but they are not going to be as efficient and as smart. And when I, when I say smart, that means they, are, they don't have the experience to know what happens next when they try this or they try that where the veteran will know, well, I've already tried this, I've already tried that, I need to get to these next level of problem solving so that I can move on through the option part of the goal. So really, um, another word you can use for the option setting is brainstorming, right? So that you throw out ideas and you start to think about what could we do to get to this, the end part of this, and what, what are those things, what do they look like? And this is an opportunity just to throw out ideas. Because again, remember when I told you that you don't have to be the expert in all these things. When you are developing options through brainstorming, you as the leader might learn something as well. You might be like, hey, I've never even heard of that before. But really, when you're brainstorming, you just want to write these down and get them all out. Back and forth, back and forth. What do you think we should do? How do you think we should do it? Those kind of things. So you want to use good questions. When you start to get stuck in the brainstorming thing, you start to ask yourself the question about, like, what else could we do? And if you have an idea about an option that someone should use based on your experience, this is where you could introduce it as part of the pool of options. Because, again, you might learn something as well during this process. There might be an idea that you both come up with that you're like, that's brilliant. I don't know why. I've, I've never thought about that before. So be aware that that might happen during this, but also make sure that if there's something specific that you want them to try or give a, have an opportunity to do, you can put it in the pool of ideas here. Because again, remember, you want the person who's developing these things to become self-accountable and you want them to take ownership of the process. And they'll do that if you follow this the way that we're talking about. Now, if someone throws out an idea in the option stage that you have no idea what it is, at the end, when you're done with the brainstorming, ask for clarification. Like, when you say this, what do you mean by that? You want to make sure that you are both understanding of what the other person's ideas are. Now, please don't confuse this with, you know, again, I talked a little bit earlier about, well, I don't want to handhold anyone. Uh, this is not handholding. This is called leading. This is intellectual leading where you're, again, teaching someone to develop all the options that are available for a certain issue or a certain problem. So don't fall into that trap. Along the way, when you're developing options, make sure 
that you check the options against the goal. Are these options directly related to us completing the goals? Remember the SMART mnemonic, right? S-M-A-R-T. These options getting us to the goals that we developed. Now again, please remember, good habits feel good and bad habits feel good. If there are things that you're throwing out there that you know in the past that have short-term fixes for things and you know long-term they don't do anybody any good, just fight the urge to throw them out there. You don't want people feeling good for a short amount of time. You want them to learn that this process is going to take some work, but when you work it the right way, that it will work itself out. So we've talked about goals, right? SMART, and the options about how you get all of those on the table. Now you want to move to step three, to the action phase. The action phase is where you're going to choose the best options and move forward with those. During this process, during this action phase, you with the member and generally the person that you're working with, they will decide what has to be done, by whom, and by when. As the leader, when you're having this conversation, you need to listen, pay attention, and again, if there's something that's just counter to what you want to do, all you have to do is ask them, have you ever considered this other option in this part? And then that starts a conversation about why you feel like there might be a better answer to help this small part of the big process. And again, this way you can introduce your ideas as the senior person right, the person with the most experience, but at the same time, allow the person that you're mentoring or leading to take ownership of the process. Remember that it, this is very important, just like when we talked about in the staff meeting podcast, that when people are telling you what they're going to do and when they're going to do them by, write these down so that when you have the next conversation, you can pull your notes out. Uh, because unless you're in a very small office and you're only leading one person, it's going to be hard to remember all the things that you talked about because really a lot of the goals that you're working on are not going to be like, hey, just do this by tomorrow. I mean, they, they could be, but really we're going to talk about probably things that you're going to talk to someone in, in a week. And as a leader and as a mentor, you're going to have these conversations with lots of people. You have lots of the things going on and you need to have a written document to remind you. Always, always along the way, be supportive of the person that you're dealing with. If you already discount their ideas from the get-go, well, you might as well just light that plan on fire and throw it in the garbage can because it's not going to work. If they say, hey, I want to do this, and you're like, yeah, whatever, then just forget it because they're not going to do it. But don't let them walk out of there with things that you know are going to fail either. That's why it's important to have a conversation about these, these options earlier on. Like when you talk about the options, developing those options. But when you get to the action phase, make sure that when people are saying, this is what I want to do, that you make sure, along with the goals, that these things are realistic. These are things that can get done. When you are wrapping up the action phase, you want to set a day to come back to get some feedback. Now, this doesn't have to be very soon. It doesn't have to be very early. This can be any time that you feel that enough time has passed where you want to see how things are going. Now, if this is the first time you've done this process with someone, you might want to do this in a few days. Hey, come back in three or four days and let's talk about where you're at on this part, especially on a newer employee. Or a more senior person, you might be like, hey, let's talk in a week or two weeks. 
for me, generally, when I was helping people in this stage, because they were stuck, I did not want them to go away and have longer than a week of time before I could check back in with them to see how their plan was going. How is your plan going? What have you accomplished? What roadblocks have you hit? Those kind of things. And that leads us into the next part of the process, step four, the feedback phase, right? Where you are going to engage with that person again because it's your job as a leader to be engaged with them, to ask the questions about how things are going. When you bring someone in and ask for them about feedback, sit down with them at the table, ask them how things are going, and then don't say a word, let them talk. Let them get out everything that they're struggling with, how things are going, what didn't work out so well, and pay attention to where they're struggling. Then what you do when they're all done talking with you, go back and just ask them a few simple questions. Is the plan working? Do we need to adjust it? Then you get more specific. What's worked so far? What hasn't worked? What would you do better the next time? And ask them if there's anything else that you can do to help them move forward with this plan. Now, you as the leader have to decide, is the plan still getting us to our goal? And are our options still in line with achieving those goals? If you don't feel like the things that the person is doing are answering those two questions, yes, is it still the right goal? And are these still the right options? Then you can go back into that beginning part of the process, the goals and options, the goals and options, that circular conversation. And after you've done this a few times, this will be normal. Also, another key part of providing the feedback is that when you set your check-in time, let's say that you decide like, hey, I'm going to check in with you in two days to see how things are going. And you both agree. Yep, two days, two o'clock on Wednesday, we'll sit down, we'll have another conversation. Don't go to them the day before and be like, hey, I want an update about where you're going because that is not going to let them know that you're listening or you care about the process that, that they developed with you. Because if you tell them like, hey, I'm going to give you 48 hours to get this done, you come back to them in 24 and be like, hey, where are you at? How are things going? Well, that wasn't in the agreed plan. Now, if that's something that you want to do, you set that up front, like, hey, I'm going to come to you in a day and see where we're at on this. You know, and again, there might be some critical situation where you have to get things done quickly, where you have to go back and ask them questions. As an engaged leader, you have the right to go back at any time that you want. Generally, what I found to work out well is when you agree with that timeline with the person up front so it's not a surprise. Because later we're going to talk about behavioral styles. There's a couple of behavioral styles where they are going to love that you're going to come to them multiple times during the day and say, hey, how are things going? But there's the other two behavioral styles that I work with that that's just a time waster for them and it's not in their plan to get things done. And again, that's just going to cause problems. Now, again, as a leader, you have the right to go back anytime. As a smart leader, you need to go back when it's agreed upon. Now, again, set those expectations up front so there's no surprises. When, you, when you're also, when you're talking to someone, remember, there's two things that you can remember with the feedback process. If you're given information before the event, that's called advice. If you're given information after, that's called feedback. So advice is, is always better received when the person knows what you're telling them are connected with options. Remember, when you give feedback, 
make sure that it's that it's calm, right? It's unemotional. And very, very important, make sure that the feedback is clear, that it's understandable, that you make sure that there's no misunderstandings about what is going on. Also, focus on behavior the receiver can do something about. Let them work on things that they control. Also, let them know when you're talking about impact, about how what they're doing or what they're not doing, because it goes both ways, tell them the impact on you, the unit, and the team. A lot of times in positive feedback, people will be given feedback just like, hey, you did a great job. And really that means nothing, nothing. You need to give them feedback and say, the thing that you're working on or that that case that you worked on last week or that project you're working on impacts the team in this way and you're a valued member of the team and we couldn't be doing this without you. When you give feedback that way, then it means something. Tell people what the feedback means or what the impact is to the team and to you, good and bad. You can also let them know like, hey, we've been talking about this. You've come up with a plan. Every time you come up with a plan, you don't follow the plan. And because of that, you're allowing things to slip. It's causing other people to have to pick up the slack for you. And our productivity is going down. You need to work on that because it's affecting the team. So really, feedback is two ways. Feedback is, is, can be good or it can be the things that you need to work on. Also, ask the person when you're doing the leader feedback about, is there anything that I'm doing up to this point that's causing you problems? Is there anything that I'm doing that's causing you to not be as effective as you need to be? The feedback part really is the most important part of this because this is where you can adjust the process along the way by things that you're seeing. Be specific. Focus on actions. Remember when you're doing this feedback, I always did it in private, right? So it needs to be in an appropriate time and a place. And fight the urge to talk about other things. Don't say, well, hey, we were going to talk about this that we agreed on, but since you're here, I want to talk to you about these three other things. That's a foul. That's only going to cause problems. Because what it does is it's going to make the person unsure about why they're there. And really, really that wraps up about how you're going to help someone overcome the struggles they have when they've set goals and they're trying to achieve them. Remember, the mnemonic is goal. G-O-A-L. When you're working on goals, the mnemonic is goal. So you have the goals up front, which you developed by using the SMART mnemonic. You have options, which are effective brainstorming, which is that conversation that goes along with the goals about the options and the goals and about how you get those done. You have the action phase, which involves both you as the leader and the team member about who's doing what and when. Then you have the feedback process, which is set in advance at a certain time, at a certain place certain milestones so that you can adjust your options and your actions to fit the goals. And really that allows you also to look, did we set the right goals? The smart mnemonic and the goal mnemonic comes together as one. Setting smart goals is what you need to learn to do as a leader. And you need to help your people along the way develop smart goals because then it allows them to become 
future leaders for your organization. And really, that's the secret to all of this. That wraps up today's podcast. Thanks for listening and providing input to today's topic. You can reach out to me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. I'm Terry Krebs, and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring. I'll look forward to talking with you soon.